Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is June 28th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block and continue in the book of John chapter 20. Yesterday we touched briefly on the Savior showing himself to Mary Magdalene. I think it's beautiful and I think it's really powerful that the first people that saw the Savior were women. It really shows the love and the respect that the Savior had for the women in his life and for his women disciples. So after the Savior shows himself to Mary and she recognizes him for who he is, listen to what happens. Verse 17, it says, Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. So the first part of this verse is really interesting. The Savior is going to say, touch me not. The Joseph Smith translation for this is hold me not. And what's even cooler about that Joseph Smith translation is that since the time of Joseph Smith, we've received more and more different Greek translations of this verse. And those newer Greek translations seem to match Joseph Smith's translation. Some of these newer Greek translations translate better as don't hold me or don't cling to me longer, don't hold me longer. And so really what the Savior was saying here, rather than saying don't touch me, these Greek translations make it sound like she was already touching him. She was already holding him. But what he's saying is you can't hold on to me any longer because I haven't yet gone to my father. Essentially, he's saying you're going to have to let me go because I do need to go see my father. Now, what's interesting is that if Christ hadn't been yet to see the father, where has he been? Where did he go for the time between the crucifixion and the resurrection? I wonder sometimes what other mainstream Christianity churches think about this or what their answer to this is. Where was he that he wasn't with the father during this time? Now, I don't bring this up to bash other churches or to say, oh, we're so much smarter. I think the beautiful thing about the gospel is that we take truth that other people have and we see if we can add to it. And this is one area where the gospel of Jesus Christ can add to the truths of mainstream Christianity. It's interesting. There are two schools of thought in mainstream Christianity, and they stem from first that on the cross, the Savior said to the thief, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. But with mainstream Christianity, they believe that paradise is heaven, which is where God is. So that doesn't make sense that the Savior would say, I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Because if he had been in heaven the way mainstream Christianity sees it, then he would have been with God and he wouldn't have said this to Mary Magdalene. We also see in the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 3, that it says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. So a lot of mainstream Christianity believes that, yes, he went to heaven, he saw the thief, he saw the father, but then he also went to hell and hung out with the people there for a while. Now, that's great. That's grand. That's wonderful. I love what it teaches us about the mercy of Jesus Christ. However, it begs the question, why did the Savior go to hell if there was nothing he could do for them? which is what mainstream Christianity believes. They believe that if you die and if you haven't done everything right, then you go to hell and you are stuck. But we don't believe that. We don't believe that when we die, we go to heaven or hell. We believe in spirit prison and spirit paradise, where we have the opportunity to learn, to grow, to repent, to change. And so we believe that in this time, 
between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Christ did indeed go to spirit paradise. And I like to think of it almost like created a bridge between paradise and prison, created a way for those in paradise to help and teach and bless those in spirit prison so that they wouldn't be damned or stuck there forever, but so that they could learn and grow and progress. That is why Christ went to the disobedient. Think about it. It almost would have been cruel for him to appear to the disobedient only to say, hey, there's nothing I can do for you now. We don't believe that that is the case. We believe that he went to that afterworld, that prison paradise world for the purpose of creating the bridge of missionary work between prison and paradise so that all could accept him and gain the peace and the joy and the miracle of forgiveness and redemption that comes in and through him. That is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it clarifies these kind of muddled areas of scripture. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truly good news, is that no one is lost from our Father in heaven forever because of this time that the Savior spent between crucifixion and resurrection. Because of his atonement, he was able to authorize and offer salvation to all. In Doctrine and Covenants section 138, we see that Joseph F. Smith had a vision of the Savior and the spirit prison and paradise and what happened there. And I love what he sees. In verse 14 of that section, it says, All these had departed the mortal life firm in the hope of a glorious resurrection through the grace of God the Father and his begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And I beheld that they were filled with joy and gladness and were rejoicing together because the day of their deliverance was at hand. I absolutely love those verses and that description of when we truly understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, when we truly feel deliverance and redemption, that we are filled with joy and gladness because of Jesus Christ. So continuing on, let's take a look at what happens later that day. Verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. There are a couple things about that verse that I think are really interesting. First, the disciples were hiding behind closed doors because of the fear of the Jews. The Jews had crucified the Savior. They didn't know if they were going to come after the disciples, so they were hiding out. And it says that the door was closed, so they're all enclosed in this house. And then all of a sudden, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. It doesn't say anything about knocking or opening the door. The door was closed. They were shut in. And all of a sudden, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. Joseph F. Smith explains that resurrected beings have control over the elements, which would explain why the Savior was able to just be in the midst of them. That's hard for us to understand or comprehend with our mortal bodies, right? The Savior had a body of flesh and bones at this point, a physical body. And so it's hard to understand how he could manipulate the elements to just all of a sudden be in the room. But we do see that in other places. When the resurrected angel Moroni visited Joseph Smith, Joseph Smith described the angel Moroni as coming down and ascending through solid walls, through a ceiling. And so I think that that's just a really interesting thing that we see here with the Savior as well. But what's most important here is that the Savior comes and what's his first message? 
What's the first thing he says? Peace. Peace be unto you. My friends, that is the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is peace. And he offers and extends that peace to you and I as we follow him. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it teaches us that Jesus Christ offers us a peace that passeth all understanding. That peace comes from the atonement of Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. We can experience peace. We can experience joy. We can experience comfort. But what I love is that the Savior doesn't just offer them peace in the moment. He gives them a tool to experience continual peace for the rest of their lives. As we see in verse 22, it says, He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive the Holy Ghost. My friends, the Savior wasn't just content for them to have peace in the moment while he was with them. He wanted to offer them the opportunity to experience that kind of peace forever. And that's the blessing and the gift that he gives to each of us through the covenants that we make with him. We can experience this kind of peace. We can experience this kind of hope. We can experience this kind of joy. And it all comes as a gift from our Father in heaven through the Savior, and through the Holy Ghost, because they love us. Even though we go through times of difficulty and trial, we can always experience peace. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 